Welcome to the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan, and this podcast is all about helping men to become unstuck in their lives and inspire and encourage them to move forward towards a life of strength, confidence, and inner fulfillment. So without further ado, here is today's episode. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Warrior Podcast. Today, I am joined by Jeff Putnam, founder of the Rugged Legacy Grooming Company and author of not just one book, but two books, one of them called Empire Divided, the other one, his latest one, The Perimeter. Jeff, absolutely delighted to have you here in the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure. As I said, uh, as, I was, as I mentioned before we started recording, I came across your uh, Twitter page several weeks ago. Absolutely love the content. Uh, spoke to me, was very relatable to me, and it's going to be very relatable to a lot of guys out there at the moment who are listening to this podcast today. And wanted to speak to you, speak to you a bit more about your books, especially the new one, and yeah, who you are and what you're all about. So tell us, tell us all, like who is Jeff Putnam and what has brought you to this point in your life right now in terms of the mission you're on. Well, uh, really, I'm just a guy. <laughs> I uh, I got tired of working a nine to five at a place that I didn't want to spend 30 years until retirement. So I I founded a company uh, called Rugged Legacy Grooming Supply back in 2019. It's doing really well. Um, I think when I first got started with that, I was like most entrepreneurs. I had no idea what I wanted to do or how to do it. Uh, and so I just kind of picked the one thing I was going to do, dove into it as hard as I could, spent all of my money to my wife's chagrin and uh, until she was completely okay with uh, the returns that were starting to come in. Yeah, of course. Um, but through that whole process, man, it was uh, one of those where your network starts expanding and you start meeting really, uh, really interesting people, you know, influential people, people that are going to influence you. And, I kind of got to this point where I don't know how I ended up there, but I ended up in what they call on Twitter, the, uh, the quote unquote manosphere. And I'm not a fan of that term, the manosphere. Um, a lot of it is just a bunch of angry guys who got divorced <laughs> and they're telling everyone how bad women are. I'm like, I've never been divorced. I've been with my wife, you know, forever. We have nine children. You know, we're happy. Nine? Wow. Um, yeah. And I'm like, so that I don't really fit with that. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of people that are in that space that uh, ended up becoming really good friends of mine. And I noticed the one common thing that was across all of it was uh, it was kind of like the self-improvement world, you know, with your uh, your modern stoic and all that other. But more so it was directed towards the improvement of men. And that was something that really spoke to me. Uh, I grew up in a environment where I didn't have very many positive male influences. And so I was not a very positive male, <laughs> you know, as I uh, grew up and I had 
the the luck to have uh, had someone step up to the plate and be that positive man in my life to show me what it is to be a man, how a man should be. And it still took several years for his lessons and uh, uh, advice to take in like it would any other, you know, stubborn teenage guys and all that. But uh, being a dad has been one of the greatest things of my life. And I love everything about it. I love being a husband. Um, I love having other men reach out to me and say, hey, I have this problem. What can I do? How can I fix it? And it, it, the answer is always the same. You have to start working on you, right? And so because of that, I got sucked into the whole self-improvement side for about a year. And I didn't like that much either. It was very platitude-ish. Believe in yourself and take a cold shower and, you know, drink coffee. You're good. And it, it's it's a lot more than that, especially when you realize what men are facing today, which is they're living a life that their hearts tell them isn't the life they should be living. So they're trapped in this deep malaise. And we deserve more than that. We're, we're put here on this earth uh, as humans to conquer. And a lot of that conquering can't be done in the physical world because we're born way too late to explore the world, but we're born way too early to explore space. And so we have to focus on conquering ourselves and our faults and those desires that lead us down these roads of mediocrity because it just felt good. No one's challenging themselves. We don't live in a time where you know, courage and strength and honor are, are relevant to our survival or even thriving. But because of that, choosing those things as virtues uh, becomes more imperative to our development and growth as men. And as I went down that road and I started getting a little further in with my own, uh, my own faith, um, I'm pretty sure we'll talk about it later, um, I'm, a, I'm a pagan. Um, and I started exploring the masculine virtues of my, of my religion. And I realized that those masculine virtues of, uh, of paganism aren't exclusive to paganism. I mean, some of my best friends are, are like, uh, uh, Anglican priests with the church of England. Right. And we talk often and there's so much overlap uh, between the basis of what a man should and needs to be and the way he carries himself and presents himself to the world in conflict with, from a Christian standpoint, it would be uh, the world and the earth, you know, the, uh, the work of the devil versus trying to become more Christ-like. And from my standpoint, it's very much the same. Uh, and all of those, those virtues overlap Minus the, well, you're going to pray to this guy or you're going to pray to that guy. And I realize there's there's a universal truth to the virtues that men need to embody. And that led me down this long rabbit hole that has led me into two and soon to be three books, <laughs> which is how I ended up talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. Epic journey. It's uh, almost one that you stumble upon, isn't it? And... That, I, I think that's how most uh, epic adventures start. Yeah. You know, um, you're on your way to go and see one thing and here comes something else and it thrusts you into this adventure you never yeah. expected and you have to rise to the occasion. Yeah. It's the hero's journey. 
Yeah, exactly. And it all started by taking a chance. Is that right? You were in the nine to five job and you decided to to leave that was uh, take take a chance, try something new. Was that what happened or? Yeah, I was just tired of being, you know, the the nine to five guy that never saw his kids and was tired and sore all weekend. So, I, you know, I'm going to start working for myself. I got to figure something else out. And then as that went along, like I said, you start meeting new people and you, your your circle and your network expands. And now, um, like, you know, Jack Donovan, author of The Way of Men, is a really good friend of mine now. Uh, he and I have spoken at length. I've got, uh, I've got Navy SEALs, you know, that reach out to me. Hey, I, I want to be on your show. Uh, here's my number. And I'm like, this never would have happened to a guy that just wanted to sit down and uh, you know, I'm going to build this thing for 40 years and get a gold watch and retire half broke. Yeah. Live in mediocrity. It was just that one chance that, yeah, it just one little chance and decision that led me here. Mm -hmm. And so you speak to a lot of guys in the moment who are stuck in that rut or stuck in that role as you were back in your nine to five days. Is, is that fair to say that are trying to perhaps carve yeah, out? Yeah. I mean, that's what I do. That's what I do with the, uh, with the coaching that I offer. I help guys who are you know, either established entrepreneurs and they're looking to scale and systematize their businesses um, because I did it without knowing how to do it and had to figure it out as I went. Uh, I can offer them a perspective of, look, you don't have to make these mistakes to get it right. We can circumvent those and kind of slingshot you forward. But also um, there's a lot of men that identify with the message in my books and the message in my blogs. Uh, and in the content that I put out on YouTube and Twitter and Instagram. Um, and they don't, they, they don't understand why it resonates with them. And it's because they, it's deep inside them. That's never been articulated in a modern setting where they're told thinking like that is bad or hate speech or not woke or politically incorrect. Mm -hmm. it, nature made the rules. I didn't, I'm just trying to follow along with them. Yeah. You know, nature has a batting average it's impeccable and about 300 million years of beta testing. So I, I tend to not quarrel with it. Yeah. But then the, the rules were somewhat compromised throughout childhood conditioning or religious conditioning. And uh, those become ingrained and result in them living a life. As you said, that's not, that's not true to them. Exactly. Um, you know, it's it's hard to put into words the the feeling of not knowing who or what you are yeah. and when you start living a life where it's appropriate for today's culture you're not going out and taking people's homes and raiding their villages <laughs> you know and pirating the seven seas but you are taking what you want from life and that feeds that need that we all have as men. And you start to wake up a little bit and you realize that you have the potential to be so much more than what the world tells you you have to be, which is this polite and nice and unassuming little drone that's just going to further the, the wheel of progress just for the sake of progress rather than having something deep and meaningful about your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's... That's powerful, and it the the uh, 
the roles of men perhaps have changed or the the outlets for men have somewhat changed as you said we're not no longer have to hunt for foods or no longer have to pirate the seven seas or you know go to war as such but we still have those those primal instincts those primal needs and now we're starting to channel a lot of that into destructive behavior as opposed to productive behaviors such as porn such as alcohol booze, netflix video games all these kind of things and uh, it's not being channeled to benefit it's being channeled to to ruin or or psyche or to ruin our energy to ruin our lives relationships and all the rest of it so it's i feel there's there's been a bubble created and uh, we're all but we're all but many of us are stuck in that bubble uh, it's, it's a societal bubble it's something that's been manifested from childhood you know you go to school you're you're in the system it's, uh, you're you're trained trained to live within the system and, and not to uh not to make your own rules or to live your own life so it takes takes balls takes courage to to push against that and it's not an easy thing to do but certainly a lot of men can feel encouraged to hear my, my own story your story and guys have done it before that we've uh, taken on a mission that hasn't exactly been uh been part of the system or has hasn't exactly been uh, as part of our conditioning as as children as as young adults and yeah that it's okay it's okay to carve out your own path you don't have to fall into the the, the same line as everyone else's going into the nine to five job the you know be married by the time you're 25 have kids by the time you're 30 like all these things that you know you create your own rules you, you live your own life and on your terms but there's a massive fear there isn't there there's a fear of societal rejections a fear of uh, rejection from your from your parents from uh, siblings from friends so you have to turn the other way when everyone else is going this way and it can be quite a lonely path yeah it can be but uh one of the cool things about it is you don't realize how big the world is when you're when you're trying to turn the other way and say i i, I don't i don't this isn't right and you start walking down that lonely path along that path you find other people that are already on it and you're going hey you you know and you end up building a network of these people and you realize that you weren't alone altogether, but it just looks like you are from the very beginning when you're the only one in your immediate circle that says, no, I don't, I want to be more than just a drone. I want to be more than, you know, the government's yes, man, that just going to bow down and offer up my keister to every politician that says they know better than me. Yeah. You know, um, they, 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 it's come to the point where, you know, teaching your children your values uh, is quote unquote morally wrong uh, if those values don't align with what the government or your state or your whoever poli- local politician says they should. You know, if they don't align with what they what theirs are, well, then you're just wrong. And there's the vilification that comes with it. Oh, well, that's that's hate speech. That's antiquated. That's outdated. That's whatever. You know, I. I teach my kids to be discriminative. I teach my kids to discriminate against anyone that doesn't share their values. If your values of what is moral and what is immoral are not in alignment with these people over here, then those people should not be your friends. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, I discriminate. I don't let, you know, drug users and alcoholics hang around my family. I discriminate against them. You know, I don't hate them, but I'm not going to say, well, you can just come in and be a part of my immediate circle because that person's going to have an influence on my people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but just saying that, well, I like some people more or I, I care about some people more than I care about other people is a very radical idea in modern society because, you know, altruism is the flavor of the day. Now you have to be uh, completely heartbroken about every single person in every other country that you've never met and never will go to that undergoes a stubbed toe or even if their politicians are treating them like crap and murdering them you're somehow supposed to put yourself on the back burner and care more about them because they have this idea that we're all one people and we've never been all one people you know and earlier earlier you said that uh you know, we, we, we've turned to these destructive outlets and you think about why for millions of years, men and women have had certain evolutionary and psychological traits passed down to them genetically. And it has been from an adaptation of the need to survive. So in my book, The Perimeter, I covered uh, a bit of the evolutionary psychology between uh, about why men uh, and humans, homo sapiens, have the ability to fold their thumb as a buttress over their forefingers as a fist. The only reason that came about, uh, according to the two doctors that uh, whose research paper went into my book, is for sexual conquest. If you look at modern primates or primates in general, their thumbs are so long and they're missing that one little joint that they can only fold their thumb over the top, right? However, they've done the the, the force generation protocols where you can generate more force using your thumb as a buttress. Every boxer knows this. Anybody who's ever done any kind of fighting knows this. Primates, slap, elbow, bite, all that other. When... Primates, you know, when man first became upright, the ability to generate more force from a buttressed fist was to fight off other primates that were trying to lay claim to a female. So the only reason you walk on two legs is so you can fight. And the only reason you're able to make the fist is so you can fight for a female against others. And it becomes uh, evident that these things are going to be ingrained at some psychological level as well. So when we lived a life, even up to just as soon as a hundred years ago, we're being strong and being fit and having to try pretty hard uh, to survive because it wasn't, you know, yeah, we had stores, but your meat came from hunters. There were people that would hunt and bring it to these stores and these distributors and say, Hey, here's this meat. Yeah, we had agriculture, we had the, the, the mass farming for cattle and all that, but in some of the more isolated areas, hunters and trappers were still the ones that supplied meat to a town. So it's, we're not so far disconnected from the guys who woke up in a cave, had to build a fire and chase their food for three days, at least on that level. And now when we get to where we are now, where everything is convenient and automatic, you're 
your instincts are going nuts. We don't need to do this anymore, but my body and my blood is telling me I need to. And so we start living vicariously through entertainment, the video games, the porn, the, you know, ritualized warfare in the form of sports or MMA events. You know, you feel good. You feel like you've answered some kind of calling when you're sitting back there on the table and you're watching two dudes beat the crap out of each other or a field of dudes beat the crap out of another field of dudes. And that that satisfies that need for conflict and warfare. Now, it's the same thing as why the Romans implemented the gladiators. Our people just keep wanting to fight each other. Well, let's just let them watch sanctioned fights. It was bread and circuses. To stop the violent behavior within the Roman Empire, they said, we're going to sanction violent behavior that everyone can watch for entertainment. Now, we still had the crime, you know, crimes going up, violent crimes and, you know, the robbers, the rapists, the people that were going to just live outside the walls of the empire, so to speak. But for the most part, that quelled it and it pacified that primal need for conflict. Well, much more than the primal need for conflict, there's a primal need to exert yourself to survive in some way. And you don't have to anymore. I can press a button on my phone and some pimple-faced kid shows up at my door with food. I didn't have to do anything. And so unless I'm channeling that energy, it's like that, that primal fire, the thumos, what the Greeks called it, the, the fire of life in men. Fire can be destructive. If you leave a fire unchecked, it burns down a forest. If you channel it, it can warm your home. It can cook your food. It can provide you light. But men have no outlets to channel these things outside of watching other people do it on TV. And that it's, it's like a junkie fix, you know? You, you, you take the shot and it helps you for a little bit. Well, then you need more. And now you've got porn addiction. Now you've got people that spend, I think the last average was eight hours a day in front of Netflix. You know, there's, there's got to be something else for men to do, right? Mm -hmm. But how? How do you equate those same things that we were simply doing to survive as an early species to it's got to fit somewhere in this modern society? You know, we, we so that we're not being destructive and tearing down the walls and becoming this roving band of outlaws that nobody needs in a society. How do we bridge that gap? And a lot of that is through brotherhood and tribalism. And if tribalism gets a bad rap, because people always think uh, back to the traditional role of the tribe, which you were um, most likely going to be ethnically all the same. You're most likely going to be religiously uh, from the same background. And that was because of geographic proximity. Used to, it was where uh, if you were one religion or another is because you were born into that religion and everybody born in that same area was born into that religion. But now if you look at the modern political climate with people just getting mad at the left or the right or mask or no mask or vaccine or no vaccine, you're split into these ideological tribes where everyone has certain values that match each other's but oppose someone else's. And so whether we like it or not, society has split into 
hundreds and thousands of ideological tribes while at the same time that young conditioning is still playing that part on them where they're told well we have to love these people over here we have to care about these people over here and it's okay to only care about your people my people are those that share my values my people are those that want the same things out of life than me my people are not those that think my values are hateful and destructive and want to destroy me and everyone like me well no 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 i don't i don't have to love those people it would probably uh be better if i didn't treat them as well as i treated everyone else you know because they're they're out to destroy what i believe in but i can't say that without it being marked as hateful or politically incorrect and that's not the case We've been doing this for thousands of years. It's just they flowered up the language to fit what they want it to mean. Well, uh, we don't expect you to really care, but we need you to make a theatrical display of how much you care. And that's ridiculous. You know, uh, years ago, and I put this in Empire Divided, my first book, um, when Italy was rejecting Libyan refugees that were trying to come up onto their shores. There was a photograph of a little boy that had drowned. He was probably three years old. I know you remember this. It, it made like every magazine and newspaper cover ever. And he was face down on the sand. I can empathize and sympathize as a father of how that would feel to that boy's father. I can empath you know, empathize as how that would feel for that boy's people that were with him on that boat and that boy's family and those people that love that little boy. I can, I, I can put myself in their shoes and say, man, that sucks. That hurts. But that's not enough. What they wanted was we need everybody to get mad and write petitions online and change their profile pictures with some overlay flag bullcrap colors to pressure Italy to let people into their country that's their country man and that little boy that drowned yeah i can put myself in his father's and his family's shoes and say that sucks but i don't care about that little boy that little boy's not my people you know if i had to choose between letting that little boy drown and letting my own son drown i'm letting that little boy drown and that's natural. People think that what I'm saying, and I get it a lot, people think that what I'm saying is this horrible thing. That is how we behave. That is how we behave every single day. It's just that now saying it out loud has become a problem. Every human operates on that level of, of very tribalistic. They care more about those that are closest to them than they do people they've never met. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if they don't stand up and start screaming about how some social injustice to somebody in some country that they've never been to and never will go to is an injustice and that you know someone must do something well then they're bad people and if you call that out as ridiculous like i have you get labeled as hateful it comes to the point where you go these people aren't my people so it doesn't matter what they label me as and then, you know, that drives a further divide between those others, but it is what it is. This is how we're wired. This is how we're built, you know, and I, I don't fully believe in being animalistic and, you know, base primate human. I fully believe we need to become more 
Uh, and that's what I talk about in the third book that I'm writing now, becoming more than just human, but not at the sake of the human side of it. And again, it's, it's one of those cultural faux pas to say that it's okay to not care about some people if they're not a part of your life. It's okay to focus your energy on yourself and your resources on your people to make your own tribe stronger. And that, and when you start doing that, when men start doing that, they awaken. They stop living these little lives of, I'm just going to work my ass off for people that don't care about me to bring a mediocre amount of money home. And then I'm going to sit in front of a porn, uh, a porn video while my wife sleeps and my children are asleep. And then be somehow miscontented with my own self and not know why. Because they still feel like that one little piece is missing of them. It's turning around to start living like you were meant to live. Saying what you need to say and stop being this. I'm going to do what I'm told little drone. Because that's what society says you have to do to, to be labeled a quote unquote good person. Well, if I'm a good person by a jerk's standards, well, then I'm probably not a good person. You know, if, if if Hitler called me a good person, well, I'm probably not a good person. You know, if Hitler said that my actions were immoral, I would have to question my actions as pro most likely immoral. So people, be you know, being shamed for being moral or immoral or good or not good, those things are subjective to the tribe's standard of morality. You know, some people think it's completely moral in these countries to beat their daughters to death because they've shamed them because they went out with a boy. I don't think that's moral at all. But it's also not my job to go over there and tell them how immoral that is. That's their that's their tribe. That's their people. That's their problem. You know, one, they're, they don't care about my opinion. Right. They're not going to listen to me. I, I'm not going to win them over with hugs. If I really wanted them to stop that, I would have to kill every single one of them. And then there's none left to do it. And obviously I've got no stake in the game for that and no reason to do it. But that's what happens here um, in, what, in the West as well. Well, I don't like the way this person teaches his kids uh, in homeschool. So now there's the push to outlaw homeschooling. You're not allowed to homeschool because we only want you to teach your kids what the state approves. And it's becoming that same thing. Are you really going to accept the state's morality as your own? And that's that's a question you have to ask. And I'm certainly not going to do that. I homeschool my children because I don't need my children being told that they're inherently evil just because they're half white. And so that's where we're at. You know, we're at this point in time where you have to make a decision that you're going to be labeled as the bad guy by some people. And that's OK. You don't need everybody's approval. You need your tribe's approval. And if you have your tribe you're harder to be ran over than if you're just this isolated dude with no brothers and no tribe and no one that shares in your values because you haven't decided, Hey, I need to be a part of something. If you're just that one guy standing in Tenement square, they're going to run you over. They might run over all 150 of you. If there's 150 of you standing there, but there's a less chance that they'll do it because it'll get out of hand and there's more of you there. 
And that's why modern men need to find their tribe, which was the entire basis of the first book. Mm -hmm. what's, the, what's the first step? The first step with Empire Divided, I broke it down into to nine noble virtues. And the very first one was what you mentioned earlier is courage. That's the first chapter. It takes courage and courage is measured by risk. The amount of risk involved dictates the level of courage required. And the next one would be strength. Because cool, you're brave enough to show up and say, no, I'm not going to do this. Well, now you have to do something about it or, or, or be able to do something about it or you get ran over. Right. And I don't mean it in a physical revolutionary way where I'm going to go storm the White House. There's days I wouldn't mind storming the White House and getting rid of all the politicians. I'll, I'll openly say that. I didn't vote for any of them, and I don't agree with the way they rule, so I just decide I'm going to live my way. But it's beside the point. That Even making that decision alone requires strength. So you're, you're brave enough to say this is not what I'm going to abide by. Well, you're, now you're hit with the woke mob and the cancel culture. Well, being strong enough includes being uh, self-reliant where you don't have to, where being canceled can't stop you. The next was your tribe, your brotherhood. You've got a band of brothers. You've got a tribe of people that have all done the same things you have as far as building up their networks and, be, and building up their strengths to where they're self-reliant. You can become a completely interdependent community on each other. I have a community like that. I can do business with people that I, with only with people I know and be able to take care of my family because I've built that network. And then you have your integrity. You know, a man's word is the only thing that can't be taken from him. He's the only one that can uh, lose his word. And a man without his word is nothing. But more than that, there's the structural integrity of a man. There's the mind, there's the body, there's the spirit. There's all these things that these elements that all have to be there. You know, the old engineering joke is uh, if it moves, it's broken. A man who is well put together and competent in all of his elements is not going to be easily moved and easily broken. And then there's, there's your, your discipline and determination, the simplicity, because we have a tendency to uh, overcomplicate things. I actually just did a three and a half hour podcast with uh, the Family Alpha podcast, where we went through every single chapter. Um, and that was released, so you guys can check that out if you're listening. Um, but starting to build yourself into these uh, frameworks of morality and frameworks of virtue is the first step. And finding others that are doing the same is the first step. That's the path to the tribe. All these virtues are not exclusive to a pagan. They're not exclusive to a Buddhist. They're not exclusive to a Christian. Every man can be virtuous. But he has to make the active choice to be virtuous. And then once, once he's reached the point where he decides he, he's going to live these noble virtues and become the best version of a man that he could possibly be, not in the society's definition of a man, which society's definition of men right now just means broken girl. But no, I'm going to be the man I was born to be, I'm wired to be, that my God says I have to be, no matter who your God is. And you find other people like that, 
that's how you find them. When you're doing that, people become drawn to you. Like I said, I've got people reach out to me all the time. Hey, tell me about the Fraternity of Excellence, which is not mine, but it's, I'm, I'm a member of it. Tell me about uh, how I can work with you because I like the way you care for yourself. I mean, you reached out to me. This res- What you have to say resonated with me. You start putting out hard truth that no one has been allowed to say, but people recognize within themselves. They become drawn to you, and they start to become a part of your tribe. And that's the entire framework of Empire Divided, because I look at modern society as an empire. It is a huge group of tribes that have been all thrown together and all conquered by the same people. And they say, you're allowed to pray to who you want as long as you worship us as well. And by worship us, it's the government. That's the, uh, your, your politicians. And by the way, we need you all to say that you're all together when just America alone is not even united anymore. You can't get somebody uh, who lives on the same street as you to agree with your philosophy on morality. You know, that's immoral. Well, I don't think it is. Okay, well, clearly we're not going to agree on a lot of things if you've already shown that your morals contradict my own. So we're not a united empire. We're a divided empire. But recognizing that and saying that's okay to be a divided empire, you don't have to be united with everybody else. Because quite frankly, you're never going to run into or meet everybody else. You just need to take care of your people and take care of you. Mm -hmm. And I I crossed a lot of lines in that book. Uh, I called out some things that uh, had a lot of people pissed off at me. But... It is what it is. You know, you don't have to agree with me. If you don't agree with me and you don't agree with the things covered in the book, then that's fine. You still have things that you agree with. You still have things that uh, you believe. So go out and build a tribe of people that share those. You don't have to join mine. It's okay. I'm not going to be upset. But don't be the yes man for the government and the politicians that only want you to bend over and bow down to them and change the rules every 20 minutes about what's considered moral and immoral because they're not, you know, you can't change those rules, but what you think is moral and what I think moral are subjective to the way that we believe. And I don't need to change your belief for me to keep, for me to believe it. And you don't need to change mine for you to keep believing, but that's how we've gotten to, well, you're not allowed to believe this now. And I refused and I refused for myself and I refused for my people to ever submit to that kind of mental authoritarianism where you're not allowed to think or believe a certain thing. And by the looks of things, we're not that far off from that being the push of, a, of the, uh, the empire's agenda. Powerful, man. Very powerful. And which part of that process do you feel it's necessary? Could be even before step one, before the courage, or maybe part of the courage, which feel that process do you feel is necessary to actually take a step back and to go backwards in order to move forwards? And what I mean by that is to identify the patterns that have evolved in your life, uh, the, the conditioning that's uh, been ingrained in your life, and to start questioning those I think you need to start questioning everything that you've been told to believe immediately. 
I mean, think about it. Just like what we were talking about earlier. Do you really have to agree with everything your politician says? Do you have to blindly follow them if you are in vehement opposition of what they're telling you? You don't have to. Do you have to follow every single lesson that your parents told you of serve this country blindly? No matter what it does. Do you have to follow every single law that comes down the pike just because they said this is now the law and because we are the elected leaders, we know what's best for you? What's best for what, what they say is what's best for me might not be what's best for me. And it's the same thing, you know, with the uh, the mask mandates. That's that's a very arbitrary thing. Who gives a crap if you had to wear a mask? I never did here because here in South Carolina, we were pretty much the only one of the only states aside from Florida uh, and Texas. Well, I don't even know about Texas. I think they had a state mandate, but we were one of the only states that we told the president no. And our, our our local sheriff even told our governor no. You know, our, our sheriff threatened our governor that he would deputize everyone in the county as law enforcement officers uh, if they tried to enforce it. But it was never a everybody has to not wear a mask. Just like not everyone has to wear a mask. It was everyone needs to do what they feel is best for them and that'd be it and when you realize that people can start making those kinds of questions you wonder well, what have i been blindly following what what do what have i been told that i believe that i don't really believe i'm just going along with it because they told me that i believe it you know just like these ideologies that spring up on twitter with you know, the, the red pill movement. There are so many guys that jump into the red pill because they're angry and bitter that their girlfriend cheated on them or their wife divorce raped them or whatever. And they're so bitter and they're so angry. They go down the rabbit hole of thinking, you know what? It's She was never yours. It was just your turn. All women are evil and malicious. Do you really believe that? Or are you saying you believe it because you've got a bunch of other people that believe it and you've you've been accepted by them because you say you believe it and you in in reality you just needed to feel like you belong somewhere you needed to have a group of people that all said yeah man how you feel is validated and that's dangerous because if they validate your feeling and your feeling or and your feelings are screwed up well then now you're screwed up and you're just going down this rabbit hole cycle of, well, everybody agrees with this. Not everybody, but because they're your immediate circle and they were the first person or the first people to say, yeah, man, I get it. I got you. It's really easy to get indoctrinated into these random ideologies. Uh, just like the, the, like the fourth wave feminism, you know, the, uh, I, all men are trash. By the way, I identify as a men now. <laughs> you know, it's 
it's ludicrous, but it's always the people that are hurting and the people that are searching for some kind of meaning will latch on to the first group of people that go, yeah, man, I got you. I feel you. I agree with you. You're right. Come over here and I'll tell you why you're right. Mm -hmm. And you blindly follow that ideology simply because you were just needing to feel accepted by someone else. And that's how they, that's how they get you with with any ideology. You know, they, they play those emotional heartstrings for you. We are all in this together. By the way, I'm going to need you to submit to this experimental vaccine. Because we're in this together. Mm-hmm. Like, trust has to be earned. You know, trust shouldn't just be, oh, they, they made me feel good. But that's how people end up in these ideologies. You know, that's how these tribes are formed. Maybe you're a part of a tribe now that you're only there because it was the conveniently located tribe that you didn't have to go very far to find. Maybe it's easier to just put your head down and agree with everything that you were told, you know, being raised by your family and your friends and your parents. And you don't really believe it, but you're told you do. And so you just do, even though you're going to sit there and feel empty and question your life and be miserable because you're not living the way you know you should live. Mm-hmm. It's the the hesitancy to ask those difficult fucking questions of yourself and be completely honest with you first. You talk about trust, but trust is is only ever earned if you're honest with you first. If you if you can be honest with yourself, and oh, definitely. That's, I think that's what holds a lot of men back. And I think they're held back by their own pride, their own ego, uh, not wanting to feel vulnerable, exposed. And perhaps there's a, a fear of loneliness there as well, a fear of isolation, that if they were to um, leave the tribe, so to speak, that they would be on their own and uh, in a very vulnerable position but that it's actually necessary to be on your own so you can find your way. And yeah. And so that you can find the tribe that actually you want to be a part of, not the one you were just born into. Yeah. But you can't, you can't find that tribe if you're stuck in the other, you have to somehow and sometimes leave and be on your own and see what you yourself are. Mm Mm-hmm on an internal and external level. What and who are you? Figure that out, then you can find your people. Yeah. It's so difficult to be on your own in this day and age as well. I mean, yeah, you may be on your own as if there's no people around you, but if you've got your phone in your pocket, are you ever really alone? Are you ever really in your own company? One thing that I've mentioned a few times is that if you can't sit on your own in a room, distraction-free, in silence for a few minutes every single day, then you need to ask yourself some serious fucking questions. And yeah, you, you're afraid of your own company. Yeah, you're uncomfortable in your own company. It's okay, why, that, why is that? Like, what is this pain that you are unwilling to, to address or to tap into or to, uh, to tackle right now? And I feel that's, for me, in my own journey, I think that was my first step to just 
make or create time for myself every single day and listen to my thoughts, understand what those thoughts are attached to, where that thought began, what emotion uh, spawned from that thought, and going right back to, as I said, childhood conditioning, religious beliefs, parents' beliefs, um, and starting to question all that so that I can come up with the necessary answers to, as I said, create a new life for myself, to make my own decisions, and to live, to live my own life, not based on the puppet strings of, of uh, my parents or society, you know? So, yeah, like, for me, that was my first step. It has to be alone. I mean, yeah, you just said you can't trust anyone else if you don't trust yourself. And if you're if you've never questioned whether or not you trust what you what you've been told you believe, then how do you trust yourself? You know, have you ever made a decision that wasn't influenced by everyone else telling you that this is the way things are just supposed to be and being those little puppet strings? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to ask those questions. And you have to, you have to understand that a lot of it, the reason that why these men are, you know, especially if you think back to what was it, uh, P and G and Gillette with the toxic masculinity ad, feeling these ways is somehow bad, right? So feeling that you should, you know, talk crap and um, bust the balls of your buddy, right? When you're take or what do they say? Um, that taking the piss is how you guys say it over there you know you're you're giving your buddy shit well that's toxic behavior because you're insulting his weight and no that's how men communicate but then you stop doing that because someone says it's bad because people that stopped and said i had no idea that i was being such a terrible person so i'll stop now and then they sit there and they feel miserable because that's just the natural thing between men right they're like well I feel miserable because I'm not being a, a guy and I'm having to look over my shoulder and ask for permission. Is it okay if I feel this way now? Is it okay if I feel this way now? Oh, it's not. That's, that would be bad. Okay. Sorry. And so you're just, you're living on someone else's permission and you're not living the way that you want to live and the way you should be living. You know, they say that men shouldn't be competitive with each other because that someone's going to lose. Yes, that's nature. But men don't care if they lose. They just go, dang it, good job, man. And, mm-hmm. you know, but they, but everyone tries to change the, the, the value of, uh, of competitiveness to be just bad. You know, it's, it's not good that would make another guy say, well, now I have to get better so he can't beat me next time. Now it's, oh, I have to make it so that there's no winners and no losers so no one possibly feels bad. But you're supposed to feel bad if you lost, you know, not completely heartbroken and distraught. Maybe you need therapy if you're feeling heartbroken and distraught over a loss. Um, but you're supposed to go, man, that sucks. I'm going to get better. But even something as simple as that has now been labeled as toxic. I was told the other day I was a uh, – my being fit and being healthy was a byproduct of white supremacy. Needless to say, it came from a fat person. Now, I'm not allowed to say they're fat, but I said it. A fat person told me that I was fit and healthy because of white supremacy. And that's that's ridiculous. I'm fit and healthy because I bust my ass in the gym every single day. 
But that's what the other side tries to do. If you're strong, if you're brave, if you have a tribe of brothers, if you have discipline and your structural integrity is sound, you're determined, you're on this path of virtue. Anyone who feels like that ideal is unreachable by them, they are going to attack those virtues that you have. Well, being strong is actually being racist. Being brave is actually being misogynist. And they're going to do whatever they can to try to change how you feel morally about your own accomplishments. That's what social justice is. Social justice isn't about taking the disenfranchised and the downtrodden and raising them up to the level of the successful and the wealthy and the fit and the whatever you want to call them. Social justice is about taking the successful and the wealthy and the fit and dragging them down to make the people who are down here, the, the self-inflicted, uh, oppressed and downtrodden and disenfranchised people to make them feel better. When they, not everyone is going to rise to the same level, but it's harder to rise up at all, right? Well, it requires work and it requires effort and it requires patience and it requires discipline and dedication and all of these nine virtues that because it's going to be hard for me to do, I'm just going to deem them as evil and deem anybody that has them as evil. And if I can convince them that they're evil, they'll stop being strong. They'll stop being wealthy. They'll stop being fit. And then they'll realize how toxic and mean they've been. And now I feel better about myself because I don't have anybody that's better than me. That's what social justice is. It's not about raising up people that are uh, less fortunate or disenfranchised or whether it, they're, they've been oppressed, real or imagined. It's about bringing down anybody that's ever had anything good happen to them because it makes the other side feel bad. And that's why men are looked at as the broken women and the the toxic person right well because some man somewhere did something to some woman all men are now bad because i am a woman who cannot join the navy seals or whatever we must make the navy seals feel really bad about that because some man uh, occupies the CEO position of this business. We should sue this business and tell them that no one's going to do business with them at all until they replace that CEO man with a CEO woman. Or a lady, how about you just do the same amount of work that he did for the same amount of time that he did and become a CEO of another company? Because there's plenty of women that I've worked with that did a whole lot more work for a whole lot longer than I did that were in a much higher position than I was. And I didn't say that's not fair. I go, damn, if I want that, I got to work up too. And it's the same thing with whatever culture or community out there that feels oppressed or disenfranchised by another one. And the more they sit there and say, well, they won't let us. Well, who, who's really stopping you? Or is it an excuse because it's going to be hard and difficult and no one's going to just pity you? Because I don't pity my kids if my kids say something's not fair. 
I'm certainly not going to pity a stranger. I'm going to tell my kids, suck it up, get better. And so, <laughs> you know, I, I, don't, I don't, it's the victim mindset. Well, I'm so oppressed and I am so broken by these other people. I can't do anything. Well, with that attitude, no, you can't do anything about it. You know, I barely graduated high school. I dropped out of college. I'm not that smart, but I still built a company and wrote two books and have a, you know, a business coach business. I'm not that smart. I just had to like struggle for two years. People aren't willing to struggle for a year or a day. Am I still as successful as some other people? Shoot, no. I wish I was. I might get there. I might not. I'm just going to keep working. Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to take those people that are more successful than me and try to make them feel bad about being successful to give me a piece of their success or just stop being successful and get down to my level so that I'll feel better about me. Yeah. But that's, again, that's social justice. That's what social justice does. Well, these people have always been uh, in power or, you know, they've always been paid more. So, we just need to make them stop getting paid or you can just go get paid more. You know, that works too. <laughs> yeah. It's absolute valid points. And that's why I wanted you on the podcast. Cause I knew exactly this was the direction you're going to take it. It was fucking raw and honest, uh, straight to the truth. Uh, no fucking bullshit. And, uh, this is what people need to hear in this, uh, there's a lot of victim mentality going on at the moment and uh, a lot of people feel helpless because of that and uh, disempowered to, to, uh, to move forward in their lives towards something better. So, uh, yeah, just tell us. You know that old, uh, you know that old saying, um, if all you see, if, if all you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. <laughs> yeah. Well, if all you see is yourself as a victim, that's all you're ever going to be. Mm-hmm. If you if you think you're a victim, then you're right. You're a victim, and you'll always be a victim. Mm -hmm. and that's the. A lot of people don't want to hear that. Well, no, the other person over here is oppressing me. You know what? That might be the case, and if and because sometimes things just suck. But ask yourself the reality of it. Are you really being held back or are you just a chicken shit coward who's afraid to try because then you'll fail and look stupid? Well, if you're not afraid to, if you're afraid to look stupid, you'll never win. Mm -hmm. Ask yourself, are you really oppressed or are you just a chicken shit coward? Mm -hmm. yeah, and then be comfortable with whatever answer you give. Mm -hmm. Again, it's the pride and ego, isn't it? That holds a lot of men back. From making that decision mm -hmm. from knowing the truth yeah imagine but imagine trying to be prideful about being a victim being proud of being a victim of <laughs> really that that's what you're proud of okay to each their own yeah. not my tribe though yeah yeah true man so t tell us about the the new book the perimeter what is the premise of it and the the uh the vision and the mission behind it well, the perimeter was a continuation of Empire Divided, and you don't have to read Empire Divided to understand the perimeter, but there's a lot of things that I talk about in the perimeter that you'll only be able to really get if you've read Empire Divided. 
So that said, yes, but it's a continuation in the sense of what, do you, how are you supposed to live? Why do you feel the same way? Why do you feel these ways? Now that you've, you've worked on embodying these nine noble virtues, why do you feel the way you feel? Why do you see things the way you see? What's the next step? There's a myth of the first men, the men that came from somewhere. And for whatever reason, they can't go back. And so they have to start this new world. And in front of them is this wide open terrain and it's dark. And so what do you do? You build a fire and say, this is going to be home for now. So these first men, they built this home, they built this fire and that fire cast a light and everything within that light was safe. It's home. It's warm. That's the perimeter. And everything that got closer and closer to those flames became safer and became warmer. And that became the ancestral home. This is where we begin. And that's what every man has to do. There's, if you leave the clutches of the empire and the victim mentality and you leave uh, the I'm going to do what I'm told, you, you reject the empire's agenda of you have to tolerate everything and everyone, including the sexualization of your children. And you say, I'm not going to be a part of this anymore. I'm removing myself from the clutches of the empire. Well, you're that first man. You're just like those first men that left that place that you can't go back to for whatever reason. And you've got this whole world in front of you. So you build a fire and everything within that fire or within that perimeter of that firelight becomes home. But that doesn't change the fact that beyond that light, beyond that edge of the perimeter, there's still darkness. There's still chaos. And as men, it is your duty to defend that perimeter against the encroaching forces of darkness. Whether it be aimed at targeting your children, targeting your culture, targeting your people, targeting your livelihood. And how do you do that? You, you do that by expanding the perimeter. And you do that by sometimes leaving the perimeter and venturing out into the darkness, carrying a torch of that light with you to bring light to that darkness. That's what men have to do because there's other guys out there struggling, walking around, wandering blind in that darkness. And all they need is for someone to show them this is how you can build your fire here. You can establish your perimeter. You can defend your perimeter and then you can expand your perimeter. You can put your people here and you can keep your people safe and you can start a whole new world and a whole new life for yourself right here. And that is what the first men had to do. You can call think of Romulus and Remus. They were the first men of the Roman empire. They left and they couldn't go back for whatever reason, not because they wouldn't be welcome back, but because they would feel empty inside. So what did they do? They built a new city 
they expanded their perimeter. They went and got all their buddies that were like-minded with them. Hey, we're going to build this city. Oh, now we need women? Cool. Let's go get women. They went and they took some women. The women's fathers didn't like it very much. And so they threatened to go to war with them. And the women went, nope, these guys are pretty badass. We're not going to, um, we don't want you to fight them. Dad, it's okay. We'll stay married to them. But you can just come visit. And it started expanding. And it, it expanded to the point that it became the Roman Empire. They were the first men. They ventured into a land unknown, started something brand new, and they took what they wanted. Now, I'm not saying go kidnap women. I mean, don't do that. You know, that's 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 frowned upon. But they didn't look at women as just women. They looked at women as a resource. So using that metaphor, get your resources. You're strong. You're innovative. You're talented people that share your values, that bring them into your tribe, become a part of their tribe. Why? Because now you can have an interdependent community of men. If I need somebody to come and fix something at my house, I can call a guy that I know that may or may not even charge me. He might just say, hey, that thing that you're good at, you do it for me. Cool. We can do that. But women if women were resources. They had to take women because a society without women is a society that's going to die in one generation, right? We have to, we have to make babies. We have to make more people. People are resources too. So think about it like that. When you venture out beyond that safe perimeter, because it's easy to sit there and stay right there in that light. Mm -hmm. I made this world for me. It's mine, but it doesn't change the fact that the darkness is still just beyond that edge. And that darkness will stop at nothing to stamp out that light and overrun you and bring you back into the fold, kicking and screaming against your will that no, 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 no. The empire is going to have its way. Mm -hmm. What men need to do is be willing to build that perimeter, to defend that perimeter, and then venture beyond the edge of that perimeter, out into the darkness, into the chaos, bringing light and order to that chaos. Because... If you think, think, for example, the whole um, children twerking in Times Square and the push to normalize pedophilia, is it really enough for men to build a community and say, over here, that shit will never be allowed? Is it really enough? Because if that is actually normalized on the areas outside of that community and it starts spreading closer and closer eventually it's going to be at your community walls so you can't stay isolated over here and 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 think that it's going to be okay to just close the door and as long as i'm not a part of it and my people aren't a part of it let them do it it's not enough we should actively be taking a fight to the people. And by fight, I do mean, if necessary, physical. Mm-hmm. And people can get upset with that if you want to. But we should definitely be taking a fight, physical if necessary, to those that are seeking to hypersexualize children and normalize pedophilia. And it's apparently, according to the empire, it's okay. We should be tolerant because they're going to flower up the language and say that that is actually just a sexual preference. It's not 
uh, an abomination of humanity. Bullshit. Don't tolerate those things. And good men have to be willing to take the fight. Now, I'm not going to advocate for someone to go out and start, you know, targeting pedophiles. I'll just simply say this. I won't cry if you do. That said, if we can make society in our own image and, and push against the, the forces of that darkness, because that is, the, that is the, the, as dark as you can possibly get, the sexualization of children. You can't get darker than that. And if we can't do it by cultural influence, we need to do it by whatever means necessary to stop it. And that's what I mean by uh, defend the perimeter. Sometimes to defend the perimeter, you have to expand the perimeter. And you have to cut out all of the bullshit that you're not going to tolerate. And I'm certainly not going to tolerate someone trying to sexualize my child. Or anybody else's children, for that matter. Yeah. It's not going to be allowed to get closer to my, do- my, my, to my doors and my walls and my perimeter fires. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. That's one of your highest values, too, isn't it? your children yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because people don't realize your children you're not raising kids you're raising men you're raising young women those are going to be the ones that go forward and a legacy isn't what i build a legacy isn't oh well my son will inherit these antique uh world war ii things i have on my desk over here my son will inherit the values. My daughter will inherit the values. Their children will be taught those same values. Their children's children may not even remember my damn name or even have ever heard of me. But if their children are constantly passing down values onto the next generation, that's a legacy. That's values. I mean, that is immortality. You don't need to know what my name was or whether or not I started a, a company or wrote two books. You, you're wondering, why am I so stubborn and why do I refuse to bow down to every little government thing they've ever said? Why, why am I like this? Well, my dad taught me. Dad, why are we like this? Well, my dad taught me. You pass down values and honorable traits to your children well, then they're more than likely going to pass that on to theirs. And if I screw up raising my kids, and I've made a lot of mistakes, and that's why I do what I do now, trying to fix them. But if I screw up all the way and and screw up my kids, well, then they're going to screw up my grandkids. And my grandkids are going to screw up their their kids and grandkids and so forth and so on. The priority has to be kids. Mm Mm-hmm. I've probably only got 40 years left. You know, I'm not going to live forever, but if I can teach my kids and if men can, and their tribe can teach their children values, honorable values, not this horse shit put forth where you have to be completely tolerant of depravity and debauchery and everything is going to be permitted because it makes you feel good. Teach them real values and virtues. 
then you might fix it in a couple of generations. But we have to be the ones to start here. You know, we got to be that one that will plant a tree today so that our great grandchildren will have some shade. And we might not see the fruits of it now, but somebody will if we can start now. It's not enough to just say, well, I'm not going to be bad. I'm not going to be uh, immoral. You have to teach your children that. Yeah. And you can't have your children corrupted by this bullshit. Do you really? I mean, I don't know if you have children, yeah. but do you yeah. really want, would you really want your child exposed to the point where they think them being sexually fawned over by adults is okay? What would that mean for your grandchildren? Do you really want your children to be the ones that will look at the TV and listen to the politician and say, well, you said it, so I have to uh, obey. Do you really want them to be the government? Yes, men. Do you really want them to be the, the statists that look to the state's morality over what they feel is right? Or do you want them to think for themselves and make their own choices and have the guts and the nuts to stand up for what they believe in and say, you know what? I don't care if the entire country says I'm wrong. I know the entire country is wrong. I'm the only one right to have that kind of of determination and that kind of backbone. That's that's what I want for my kids. I don't want my kids. I, I want my kids to question my authority if they don't think I'm right. Yeah. Powerful. And we need to be that way. We need to be that way with our children. That's, yeah. We need to be that way. Otherwise, all we're going to see is the more of what we see now. Mm-hmm. We're going to see everyone who's, oh, you told me I have to stay in my house for a year and a half. No questions asked. Sure. Couldn't be me. Mm-hmm. Get out there. Man, that's... Yeah, extremely powerful. And you're, as a father, you are yeah one hundred percent responsible not only for not only for your own life or not only for your children's lives, but for their children's lives and their children's lives and generations to come. So you are the man to 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 lead uh, your children today and the children of the future. And that is a very uh, powerful position to be in and certainly not one to be abused or not one to be neglected so uh yeah that's man it's been a it's been an epic episode um and uh i'll I'll add one thing to what you just said if you don't lead your children and teach your children values somebody else is going to yeah If, if you're not okay with somebody else teaching them something you may not agree with or um, being the, the biggest influence on your kids, then you need to step up and do it. Mm-hmm. You can teach them what you want them to learn, or you can let someone else teach them whatever the hell they want them to learn. And that might not be what you want. No, definitely not. Yeah. Time to step up. So, uh, Jeff, where can people find you if they want to get in touch? Well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. The at name is rugged underscore legacy. Uh, and you can check out uh, my blog, uh, find links to my books at jeffputnamauthor.com. Epic. And for those of you who are only listening to this podcast, you can't see Jeff. Jeff has got one epic B 
beard. And so go check out his uh, rugged legacy grooming uh, products. Top class stuff. Jeff. Hopefully by the time this this episode airs, the uh, the issues with the website hosting server will be resolved because it's still down right now. Yeah, cool. We'll get that. I'm sure that'll be sorted. So uh, yeah, go check him out. And uh, Jeff, man, it's been fucking brilliant having you here in the podcast. And uh, I'm sure everyone is uh, feeling a lot uh, a lot more powerful, enlightened, and uh, ready to t- take action after listening to this episode. Uh, so thank you so much for sharing that with us. Did you have me on, brother? Like I said, it was great. Thank you, my man.